When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, and welcome to Is It My ADHD, the podcast about what it really feels like to have attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. I'm Grace Timothy, and I'm a writer, and I wasn't diagnosed with ADHD until I was 37. I'd struggled with traits I now know to be ADHD all my life, but it wasn't until a routine hearing appointment with a doctor who happened to have ADHD himself that these traits were pieced together, and it was suggested that I get referred for an assessment. Had it not been for that random moment with an audiologist, I'd still be undiagnosed now and still struggling, just like the two million women thought to have undiagnosed ADHD in the UK today. I want to better understand what ADHD feels like for women and non-binary people, in whom ADHD is so often missed, thanks to the fact that the diagnostic criteria and research is all heavily skewed to the white male case study. I've therefore spoken to some incredible women about how ADHD affects their lives, exploring everything from friendship and work to dating and self-esteem. I've also pulled in some experts along the way to help us tackle the big questions from you and from my guests. Is it my ADHD when I ghost old friends, for example? Is it my ADHD when I break the photocopier at work? And is it my ADHD when I share nudes on Instagram? My hope is that we can spread awareness of ADHD in women and non-binary people, and that you'll find some comfort in knowing you're far from being alone. Because with the right support, we can be truly amazing. In this episode, I'm looking at how ADHD can impact our sense of self-worth with the iconic Natalie Lee, aka Style Me Sunday. Obviously, phases of low self-esteem are almost universal in this society of such narrow ideals. But in someone with ADHD, a sense of physical inadequacy low self-worth and shame can be all-consuming. According to a recent study led by Susan Young, women with ADHD are more susceptible to disordered eating, low self-esteem and body dysmorphic disorder. When you consider the clinical picture of ADHD, you'll find a whole bunch of traits that will surely impact the way we feel about our bodies and our minds. Rejection sensitivity, for example. And in terms of the connection between body and mind, the clumsiness, the difficulties following instructions the poor planning and the dysregulation of things like hunger. Then consider how societal expectations, especially of women, are at odds with so many of the ADHD behaviours. As a youngster, my self-esteem was so low, both around my capabilities and the way I looked. I never felt in control of my body, totally lacked confidence in all forms of sport and movement, and I relied on restrictive eating to try and take back a lot of that control. Natalie Lee has been a must-follow on social media for me for years as a fashion influencer and total beauty badass. I loved her messages of positivity and strength, but it's her more recent journey getting to grips with a new ADHD diagnosis and her love of dance that's drawn me in even further. So I'm really thrilled to have her here with us today. So welcome, Natalie. It's so good to see you. Thank you for having me. Such a pleasure. 
did you get a hint of it from someone else or did you read something that made you think, oh, I wonder if that's me? No, I mean, the self-awareness was zero, absolutely zero. So um, I was told, not told, I was suggested to get an assessment by my therapist. And I was like, what, what the fuck are you talking about? ADHD is, has nothing to do with me. Um, I was flawed. I didn't, I didn't have any association with it at all. It's never been suggested before. I'm like 40 years old and this woman who I've just like told my deepest, darkest secrets to is now saying that I might have ADHD. And I'm like, no, I ain't. I was definitely, I, I definitely always knew that I was very different to my partner, my husband of 24 years. He is fantastic at organizing. He achieves things very differently to the way I achieve things. So we would get exasperated with each other. And I just thought that was a, a, a man and a woman kind of thing, that the differences were that. Because I was with him, as I said, for 24 years since I was 16. So he took care of the many things in our house, like the way it ran, all, all of the bills. Anytime I got a parking fine, he'd, he'd pay it. You know, so there was sort of that lack of awareness because I didn't have to do those things. And then when we split up, my whole life went into absolute turmoil. It was like I was in the middle of this rough sea and I didn't know what, where the fuck I was, what the fuck I was doing, who I was. My, my crutch had been taken away and I wasn't able to function. I was not able to function appropriately or or successfully yeah I felt like I was drowning I think that that completely resonates um and I think it's a really common thing apparently particularly for women that you can mask and you can cope or you have someone who is sort of like almost like a care worker like getting you through the everyday stuff and all the challenges and it's when there's one extra demand it just breaks the camel's back and it's just like you can't maintain that anymore for yourself or with that person. So in terms of how, you know, obviously the breakup, but also your diagnosis, how did that impact the way that you kind of saw yourself? Oh, that's a really good question. Um, it brought into sharp focus my inability to be able to get on with daily tasks. A lot of the things that I, you know, the conflicts that we would have, I guess I thought it was just down to a kind of general battling between us and the way we worked. And, you know, for, for instance, I had a real issue with cooking dinner. I, this That was an expectation he had of me because at the time, you know, for quite, for some years, I was the one at home looking after the kids. But I had such an issue with it. We used to have arguments about it all the time. And I thought it was me being like a feminist and being like, I'm not going to cook you dinner. I'm not this like stay at home woman who's just going to do all of those shitty housewife tasks that you expect me to be. So I was really fighting very strongly against this. But also knowing that it was the thought of what to cook for dinner and how to navigate that 
in a reasonable time frame so that it would happen around about a time when it was expected to happen. I Now I have the insight to know that that's what I was battling with. I wasn't battling with the perceived gender roles argument that I was actually communicating. So, oh my God, it's just like, you, you have to like rewire your whole thinking because you're right, I had masked it for so long and thought it was about something else, when in fact it was about something completely different. But then I sp- the tricky thing is, there's like an intersection there, isn't there, of like the gender norms that that you and I encounter. So yeah, you're gonna you, you know you're gonna provide the majority of the childcare in a lot of situations in a lot of um, relationships. You are gonna end up cooking the meals, which by the way, I'm so with you and I hear you like 100%. My major like sore point I just can't I don't want to and I can't um but like you're struggling against that and you're also struggling against the ability to just do those in a and I like air quote neurotypical way and in an efficient way and in a way that suits everybody does that affect has that affected your self-esteem and has that changed since your diagnosis I didn't realize how much it did affect my self-esteem You know, there are so many examples of internalized shame that I felt because I thought I was lazy. I thought I was selfish. I thought I was not intelligent. I, there's so many examples of how I felt just not good enough and didn't have any understanding or explanation of why I had severe dips in my energy levels or why I had clothes that had just been washed on the table for two weeks and wasn't able to put them away successfully. Yes. <laughs> um, you know, there's just so many things. And, and also, I mean, I don't I don't want to I don't want to criticize anyone else because they didn't know either but there was there was a lack of understanding from other people and a kind of like name calling that reinforced that sense of inferiority and um impacted my self-worth. I was very good however at masking it. I was outwardly very confident very um, gregarious, you know, very together, very capable. And only recently have I really started to unpack mentally how little low self-esteem I really did have and how um, and how that impacted me. Do you think that you've used fashion and that kind of self-expression to mask or do you think that that was a way of you kind of saying this is who I am yeah maybe maybe it is that sense of putting on a mask putting on armor and that's how I navigated my way through the world this is still so new this is still so new to me there's a lot of shit to unpack there is a lot so you know little insights little light bulb moments are coming to me all the time but you also project and share this amazing sense of self-love so I know obviously you're unpacking a lot of stuff but the way you use your body in dance for example it feels like that's an expression of love for yourself 
has dance become an important part of kind of loving your body and finding a home in your body? I know you said recently, my body is my home and that really just resonated. Has dance been a factor in that? Absolutely. I think for me, dance is a form of meditation. And, you know, one of the things I've struggled with is to quiet down the noise in my head to focus on one thing. So, you know, I go to dance classes and there's a very, for me, complicated routine that I've got to learn. That means that I can't focus on anything else except listen, watch very closely and try and reenact very, very poorly. Um, and so so for that whole one hour, for the for like one of the first times ever, my brain isn't going a million miles an hour and thinking about, oh shit, I haven't got the ingredients for dinner tonight or what the kids are doing. You know, it's about connecting my body and my brain. And there has been a bit of a disconnect for a very long time. Um, and that's been beautiful to discover. I still, it still brings up um, issues for me. You know, one of the things I really struggle with is following uh, routines. And it took me a lot longer to learn the routines than everyone else. And I would keep making mistakes and it it didn't it didn't matter how long I had been learning the routine so I'm probably the person who goes to the most dance classes in you know all of out of all of her clients I need to I need to repeat and like keep doing the same routine over and over again for it to get stuck in into my head and even still, it, I really struggle with accessing my brain to remember the routine sometimes. So it, it has sort of highlighted a few issues as well. I think that's the thing, isn't it? But you're addressing those issues. You're not shying away from them and going like, I just can't do it then. Yeah, which is what I have notoriously done. You know, when things get too difficult, you just end up giving up because it feels like, too difficult to disentangle, to navigate. It, it, it's like going through a very, very thick fog and trying to find your way through. That's how my brain has felt. And that can be so fucking frustrating. And that's usually been why I've just given up on things. I suppose also if you've got a teacher there, you're held accountable. And if you suddenly didn't turn up, that's like a difficult and a sad thing, isn't it, for for that relationship also she's my, my best friend as well so she wouldn't let me just not turn up she's like you're coming aren't you you know one of the most I think powerful parts of your Instagram account and and you know appearances that you've made I've heard you talk many times is the kind of self-love um you know I mean from like self-pleasure and that kind of thing all the way through to how you feel in your skin do you feel like looking back at your relationship with your body that that has been impacted by ADHD whether that's in terms of the fearlessness the confidence is there anything you think that has steered you in a positive way where your body's concerned yeah again I think that's a great insight and um, not necessarily something I have thought about too much 
But I definitely do have a, a kind of fuck it mentality. I'm just going to put it out there. I have this desire to uh, want to challenge people's thought processes. I have this desire to challenge expectations. I think expectations is a really big thing for me. I hate having any sort of expectation on me. So I try and push past that. You set your own agenda, don't you? Yeah, I try. I think so. I try to. And and I definitely don't often struggle with what people think about me, especially especially people I don't know. So that has given me sort of that sense of fearlessness that I'm just going to show my whole body naked out there and you're going to have to deal with it. And I know that that is quite, for some people that can be quite, rev, not revolutionary, but quite brave. Um, for me, not so much, I don't think. I'm just like, it's just a body. What are they all going on about? Like, and, you know, I'm just talking about masturbation. What's so, I don't get it. So there's there's also that kind of lack of awareness in that I don't understand how people can be so uptight sometimes about things um, and so judgmental. Um, so yeah, I guess that is an ADHD trait, but I haven't connected it really. I think also you don't want to kind of start picking apart like what's my personality and what's a symptom. Do you know what I mean? That's a major head fuck, and that I've been like doing that for quite a bit. Um, and and I and I can't come to any conclusion. I don't know what is a part of my personality and what is an ADHD trait. I mean, they're so intertwined now that I can't pick them apart. But it's all part of who you are and, and, and how you how you do, I think. So I think like it's just interesting to hear you talk. You lack fear. So when you say, I don't, you know, I don't see that it's particularly brave to do this, it's because you don't have that fear and that fearlessness, literally a lack of fear, is is one of the things that makes you able to do the things that you do. And the stuff that you do enables people who do have that fear to let go of it. And I think that's just such a powerful contribution. And and also, so we're lucky that, that there are people amongst us that, that can do that. And whether that's ADHD fueling it maybe, rather than just being that's exactly who you are, it's all about the you know neurodivergence. I, I mean, it's just, who cares? It's amazing. Yeah, I, I that's a really good point. And I guess you've always got to have those people who break who breaks the rules and, you know, who sort of just sticks their head above the parapet. Um, and maybe most of those people, like, there's a strong link between entrepreneurs and people with ADHD and things like that. And you've, yeah, you've got to have those kind of people who, who think slightly differently and then who enable you to maybe question your thought processes about how society has made you act and feel and think you know so that's all good if we sort of stick on that theme in terms of society and our bodies i mean it's a lot i essentially when i when i consume what you're putting out there which is like this is me this is who i am and it's it's with a message of empowerment to other women it's not like a an isolated thing where it's just you on your own being like look how fabulous i am it's a an inclusive welcoming thing babe right so in that feeling of this is who I am, how how do you feel? What is your reaction if you do get a rejection off the back of that? 
Yeah, that's really that's a really good point because rejection from followers, is that what you mean? I guess so, yeah. The anonymity of, of the internet makes it slightly harsher, maybe? Yeah, possibly. But because I don't know them, I don't have any issues with getting judged like by people I don't know. So that kind of rejection sensitivity isn't there with, with them. However... Mm. I do have it with people I do know very, very strongly. There is a extreme response of injustice and obsessive thoughts going on. Um, and it's, it's a huge problem, but that's more in my close circle of friends. I don't have an issue with people not liking or getting me too much online. I have gone down some holes sometimes, but generally, I, 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 I'm able to keep that, you know, at a distance from me, affect, it, it affecting me. What does the rejection look like when it comes to you? As in from someone in your close circle, how does that feel And in the instant? Is there like a physical reaction to it? Uh, yeah, um, there is definitely, you know... One of the one of the one of the things I've had a real problem with is that disconnect between my mind and my body. So for a very long time, I haven't noticed or been aware or understood that certain feelings might have been anxiety or might have been anger. Anger is is, is another emotion that I've really struggled to express. I can be quite. Um, emotionless sometimes and um, that's something I've really worked on in and that has come on in terms of understanding and since my diagnosis um, I'm really trying to make that disconnect much smaller now so yeah I'm, I'm starting to really be aware and, and when I feel certain emotions really be aware of naming them where where do I feel them in my body usually I feel them in my gut but now I'm, I'm starting to become much more aware of it <sighs> and then and then I just like just try and journal and meditate do breathing and stuff but it's just it's just basically I think just kind of understanding how we work. I, I can be an oversharer. I can be very blunt. I can be very um, unempathetic. That can get people's backs up. And sometimes, you know, people have kind of excluded me and wanted and what, you know, wanted to not be, I sound like such a child here, wanted to not be my friend anymore um, because of I yeah. how I am. And that's that's that sometimes plagues me, you know, that I, I get I get really hurt by people excluding me. And it's, you know, at times, especially if I'm having a particularly down period, I've become obsessed with it. And depending on who it is, I, I might deal with it directly. And then there's others when I don't feel that I can because I don't know them well enough or something. But yeah. It's an issue. We've got to learn to let go, haven't we? That's what I keep being told. You've got to learn to let go. And it's like, uh, well, actually, it's part of my DNA that I won't be able to do that. So good luck. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it really is. 
it's just part of us. You spoke earlier about your energy levels and obviously there's like a dysregulation of energy. So I guess like, as I understand it, if you're not getting enough dopamine and stimulation from something, you can just have a full like body crash. It's not just, uh, oh, I'm going to do something else. Look at that squirrel. It's like flump, right? Now that you have your diagnosis, is that something that you own more or is it still kind of just as unpredictable? Absolutely. The understanding of that has been phenomenal. Um, So for example, yesterday I had a day full of meetings and I woke up, my brain was so foggy. I then would like look back at my email replies and I'm like, I've I've completely misconstrued what they were saying and I've I was all over the place. Normally, I would just beat myself up about that. I would just persevere and carry on anyway, but what I did was I just down tools. I messaged the people who I had meetings with and I said, "I'm really sorry, but I need to go." And I I actually went for a swim um and just got out of the house and it was phenomenal. Before, I would have just internalised that kind of shame and just thought I was incompetent and stupid. And and I wouldn't have told anyone that I felt this. This is all going on inside. Like, no one else has any idea. I was very, very good at pretending. I was very capable and very confident. Um, but yeah, I would have really beaten myself up about that. And now I have... I, it's just... It's okay. It's just okay to be like that. I also am greatly affected by um, my cycle, as you know, and hormones. I think I'm also really affected by the moon. And Mm. yeah, it's it's just like piecing the whole puzzle together. Also very, very, very bad hangovers. Like my hangovers are severe. Yes. I would literally be on the sofa the whole day, not able to get up. And then, you know, people around me would be like, really? And I'd be like, yeah, really? I'm just like, but I'm just, you know, I've just got a hangover. Just leave me and let me have a hangover. But inside, there's that self-loathing that, why can't you get up? You've only only had some drinks. It's like... But now I realise I can't do that. I can't. I can't do it anymore. So, mm. so you 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 know you just the more you learn about yourself, the more you change and adapt and and find out what works for you, instead of just bloody plugging along and c- continuing the same way you've always done. Well, and drowning, like you said, drowning is that's such a a kind of powerful image attached to. I think that some of the stuff that we go through. Um, and interestingly, you mentioned swimming as well. I feel like swimming is one of those sports where if you're not swimming, you're drowning. So you don't have, it's a bit like with dance. You don't have that opportunity to look away or think about something else. You've got to keep going. Otherwise you're down on the bottom of the pool kind of thing. Absolutely. Do you, is that something that's, do you feel like swimming has been something to empower your connection with your body again? Yeah, there's, there's, I'm just getting this real strong pull to, to be near or in water at, well, it's been in the last couple of years, I guess. It's all like tying in, still connecting all the dots, as I said. So, um, but yeah, it really, it just really helped me to clear my brain and to to get me sort of trying to process again in a kind of, 
linear way. Mm. I didn't realize that for such a long time I was self-medicating. I was seeking dopamine in ways that weren't necessarily helpful or or healthy and yeah now now I have the support of medication so that really yeah. helps it that that has been like life-changing for me it, it might not oh. might not be work for everyone you know there's so many other ways to do it there's definitely definitely is but for me it was almost like I had this big cloud on my head. No, it's not even a, it was more like a weight. I've had this like huge bag of bricks that was weighing heavy on me and it's just been lifted. And that's just like the difference it's made to my life is nothing short of fucking miraculous. That's amazing. I'm so excited to announce that this podcast is sponsored by the first makeup brand I ever bought as a teenager, Benefit Cosmetics. I saved up for Benetint for weeks, and that love remained strong when I became a beauty editor years later. Roller Lash is my absolute favourite mascara of all time. Gimme Brow Plus and Precisely My Brow are my go-to brow products, and I still use Benetint on the daily. Makeup is something I reach for to give myself a moment to ground, to breathe and be in my own thoughts for a minute just like my own personal form of meditation that happens to help make me feel fierce. Benefit has remained a mainstay in my own routine for more reasons than one. I love the way Benefit connects customers with amazing causes and today is amplifying various voices around neurodivergence. I'll be working with Benefit not just on the podcast but they've also asked me to explore how the Benefit counter experience can be more accessible to those with brains a bit like mine. I'll be sharing the ways we're working together and would love to hear your thoughts on this too. I still can't believe I'm launching Is It My ADHD with my OG beauty obsession at the heart. Whether it's medication or whether it's just the way that you understand how you work now, how has that changed the way that you enjoy your body? Oh, I don't know. Because it's when you talked about sort of self-medicating as a sort of teenager going into early 20s, basically before I met my husband, I medicated with lads like 100 percent. yeah not even always just sex but like attention uh, anything along those lines uh, any kind of approval I think and also the kind of thrill of the new so not just one but like several on the trot do you know what I mean <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh my god it was so much fun though I don't regret it but like yeah when I look back now I'm like I totally get why I made some of those decisions were like not like you say not healthy like some of them were a little bit risky, a little bit dangerous. Yeah. They didn't always result in, in happy, happy endings. I was going to say, but you know what I mean? <laughs> Babe, there's always a happy ending for someone, but yeah, maybe not the right kind, but I wonder what it is like to be out there potentially dating or just, or just the way that you enjoy your body on your own, in your own space and whether an awareness of how you tick changes the way that you approach that. Um, God, that's, yeah, my mind is like racing at 100 miles an hour right now as you like give me all these new insights into myself. But, you know, I definitely had that attention-seeking kind of nature. I was 
I've always been a very like flirtatious kind of person who wanted everyone to love and like me. And weirdly enough, that I, maybe it's the medication that has just gone now. That is just like, it's wow. just, yeah, I know. <laughs> it's, Shit. Like, it's just, it's just gone. But I'm, de I'm definitely much more aware of um, being more present now and being more in the moment now, which I've really kind of struggled with, I think, um, a lot of my life. Like things like mm -hmm. orgasms and stuff have, is quite a struggle, has been quite a struggle for me. And again, that's just about that disconnect, isn't it, between the mind and body, stopping and, and the ability to be in the present and to stop your mind racing about a hundred and thousand other things. I'm so excited about my future now. Like it feels like I'm actually like going through life consciously rather than just being like, like a dandy, like what are those dandelion fluffy things that just basically floats in the breeze, <laughs> you know? <laughs> you know, not everyone needs to get diagnosed. Some people mm. just know that they've got ADHD or or it doesn't really affect them significantly. So there's not that huge amount of, you, you won't gain a huge amount of knowledge or information from, from knowing. So, mm. but for me, it it has been really important. I think, so one of the other things about kind of having a body in this day and age and in this society, um, obviously there's a fair amount of oppression on that body and there's a fair amount of shame that's sort of projected onto us and then we internalise. I know that you've sort of said that you've experienced that shame in terms of your personality and your um responsibilities and you know processes have you ever had that sense of shame attached to the way you look or feel in your skin yeah for sure I've had I've dealt with shame a lot in my life I feel like I feel like I came out of the womb and there was shame already there it was it feels mm -hmm. like a, a huge part of me and a lot of that kind of persona that I project on social media has been about smashing that shame um, and really pushing past it but in terms of my body women do feel intrinsically that their bodies are first of all not theirs to own I definitely felt that um, mm. and that their bodies were for something else you know they were for the pleasure of men they were for having babies there was no sort of ownership over them but there's also such stringent unspoken rules and guidelines about how you conduct and behave in your body you know if from a very young age, we're taught that we can't wear certain things in because we might be enticing men. You know, we might be encouraging uh, unwanted attention, like it's our fucking fault. Mm. There is the fact that you can't show nipples on Instagram. Again, like nipples are not just a part of your body like they are for men. There's so much shame attached to your body. You know, 
any time I show a semi-revealing picture on Instagram, I lose shitloads of followers. Whoa. Because it's triggering for people. Because people are like, what is she doing? She's such an exhibitionist. She's just showing us, you know, she's just trying to get attention. And maybe I am. Maybe I am, but fuck it. It's my body. And actually, we need to normalise women having bodies, women being sexual, women being able to show their bodies in any way they want, whether that's a sexual way or whether it's just a just a look, this is just another bloody, another organ, not organ, another part of my body. I yeah, don't, yeah, yeah. you know, that's somewhere I don't go. I don't show my organs, but I will, <laughs> but I will show more or less everything else. Um, yeah, there's just so much on us and there's so much shame attached to women's bodies and that's one of the things I'm trying to smash and push past but mm. it's but it's so ingrained it's so prevalent it's hard it's really hard I think there's a there seems to be a dichotomy as well with um with ADHD in that there is this exhibitionism like but then there's also the shame that you feel through I guess through rejection but also just that innate societal shame that's like this battle of like well which one am I and I think you've chosen the path of well I'm going to make it better for other people and I'm going to smash through so that we have this new path which is acceptance and and love so while you know shame is still going to exist isn't it because it's just it is like you say it's intrinsic and endemic but I think what's amazing about you is that you choose that path and you have the strength to go I'm going this way guys and like you can come with me and I think that what's the tragedy of ADHD with women is that it's so much pressure to go the other path to feel the pain to feel the shame and to you know I mean like self-harm for example is is so so prevalent amongst women with ADHD and non-binary people with ADHD what we what we want is to be able to you know how women feel like they can take your path and not the one that keeps them hidden in the shadows kind of thing yeah but I mean we're all susceptible I love how you think that I'm such a like uh I don't know a powerful go-getter and someone who is paving the way but I feel like a walking contradiction even everything I'm saying here like you know sometimes I feel like that but catch me tomorrow and I would have given you a completely different set of, you know, answers to your questions. Mm. It's so up and down. So I have so many ways of thinking. My thoughts change all the time. What I put out there changes all the time. And and that's okay, because we can be mm. we can be walking walking contradictions. We can have a million different thoughts at the same time you know we can feel all of the things we can feel happy and we can feel sad at the same time you know there's just there's just no one way of being and conducting yourself and and that's how I feel it just it changes all the time but then I guess it also gives you the insight into lots of different ways of thinking right so you know to, to help in different ways and to understand. I mean, you say that you that you lack empathy. 
and I don't I do get that because I find in certain situations I think shit I just totally missed that with that person and I don't understand how but I think you're on the other hand like deeply empathetic so like you say it's just it's about kind of treading those contradictions isn't it yeah exactly I think sometimes I can be over empathetic and then become so sad about Mm. you know what I've done how I've messed up and you know it's like deeply wounds me and Mm. then other times I can be like oh why the fuck do you think that that's you know it's like there's no in between but um yeah I do love talking about it (laughs) I really do right so (laughs) this and and you know I bought the fucking pants off all of my friends and all of my family um so actually it's just really nice to be able to talk about it with you um and not to feel any shame or feel like I'm like bleating on about it again been great thank you so much we now turn to an expert today it's Dr Mohammed Abdelghani When it was first suggested that I might have ADHD, I wanted to find a psychiatrist that had run an NHS service and a private practice, just to make sure that they'd seen the full spectrum of what ADHD can look like in a woman. Dr. Mohamed Abdelghani was one of the first people I spoke to, and his kindness and openness immediately made me think of him for the podcast, because I know that he'll offer so many of you such comfort. And so I'm so thrilled to have him here today to decipher is it my ADHD when I find myself sharing nudes on Instagram so the answer will not be a simple one Grace because I think it will be uh, um, um, it, we will be simplifying things too much if we blame or try to understand everything through the ADHD lens so of course if someone is sharing nude pictures on Instagram or one of the other social media platforms and they have ADHD, it might be related to their ADHD, but the human psyche uh, should be seen in a more complex way than this. So it might be many other reasons, but if we think about it from an ADHD angle, yes, it might be uh, the reason, because people with ADHD, as we all know, they might, they uh, sometimes they have an element of impulsivity. So they might, it might, the idea might cross their mind and they might do it before thinking it's through and thinking about the pros and cons of doing something like this at the same time people with ADHD uh, uh, they need a lot of stimulation uh, in their life more than uh, other people and um, sharing nude pictures on Instagram or other uh, social media platforms or doing something a little bit out of the box will get them this attention and stimulation so it might be but it might not but definitely people with ADHD might do things like this in an impulsive manner without thinking it through so yeah it might be related presumably there's also a kind of interesting link between perceived um, exhibitionism and then also this kind of deep-rooted sense of shame that a lot of people with ADHD have how do those kind of two intersections play out yeah, we see this a lot in the clinics uh, because um, if you see it from an ADHD angle, so it's not completely their personality. It might be even out of character a little bit uh, doing some of these behaviors. And it can feel as if the person is torn apart because they do something in a very impulsive way. And then they start realizing what they have done afterwards. 
And um, even if ADHD is starting to be more and more accepted nowadays, there's still an element of stigma that we see it in many mental health disorders, but it attached also with people with, uh, suffering with ADHD. So definitely it can make people feel torn apart because they do something and then they start questioning what they did. And the example you're using is an extreme one, but even in day-to-day -day life, you know what I mean? Like I've taken this decision to go to this interview, I've taken this decision not to uh, accept this job to go on that date and then they are always questioning uh, what they have done to an extent that's usually more than the average person uh, we know thank you so much for joining me and this community of amazing people we'd love it if you could follow is it my adhd wherever you get your podcast from and now I'd love to hear from you. What other perspectives would you like to see explored in future episodes? Find me on Instagram at isitmyadhd to continue the conversation.